name's Andy Cope and welcome to the most uplifting podcast in the world. As a positive psychology researcher, I'm excited, delighted and honoured to be sitting in the podcast hot seat. The aim is to bring you guests who have something interesting or insightful or inspirational. They might have a story to tell, something clever, something simple, anything goes. We hope to inspire, educate, entertain and on a good day, maybe even make you chuckle. Why should you listen? Well, we figure life is relentless. It's full on. And most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. So think of this podcast as a reminder or maybe a leg up to being a better version of you. Sometimes against the odds. So relax, open your ears, open your mind and allow me to bring you this week's amazing episode of the best podcast in the world. On with the show. Ah, bonjour, bonjour. Um, greetings, welcome to the podcast. This is actually the first one of the new series. Um, and I'll introduce the podcast guest in a second. I have a couple of local things, first of all. I think uh, what my team wanted me to do is to remind all you lovely listeners out there that at Tavata Brill, we are not for profit. So essentially, uh, what we do is that uh, we do keynotes and, and stuff in businesses. So if you wanted the art of being brilliant or staying brilliant or something on the three principles, mind, thought, consciousness, strength, purpose, mental health and safety, leadership, teams, mojo, anything under the positive psychology umbrella, fun, hand on heart, and I've actually got my hand on heart. It, we, I think we've got the best keynotes and the best workshops in the entire world. If you buy one of those as a, as a kind of business or into in, indeed a set of those, then what we do is put the money back into a pot and then that subsidizes our brilliant schools program so quick word about brilliant schools we certainly we can we deliver stuff in schools that is epic so it's for primary kids for secondary kids and for staff and indeed for parents as well so that's workshops tailored to meet the needs of the schools um, but we've now also got brilliant schools online which is singularly the most um, amazing thing that i have ever been involved in in 15 years doing this kind of job and um, once again not for profit so the idea is that schools will subscribe to an entire well-being package that's online and um, you subscribe for a year and um, oh it's just amazing we, it's amazing um, and, and this is the exciting thing I think is where businesses and schools can come together so businesses if you if you've got a pot of money for corporate social responsibility then you could I'm just saying thinking out loud you could sponsor a local school or a local local schools in your area so that they could subscribe to the wellbeing package um, on or sponsored by you great PR for you and it also helps get well-being embedded in their curriculum and if you ever visit a British school you will understand that young people and in fact teachers are falling over with anxiety and panic and stress because of the nature of the modern world here endeth my sermon on brilliant schools anyway on to today's guest bit of a hero of mine actually um, John Clark you won't have heard of him though he has written a book or two I at the back end of last year I was totally inspired to ha- go on a sabbatical so I'm lucky enough that I was able to give up my job for three months and go traveling and I went to India and I went up into the Himalayas uh, to study meditation mindfulness <laughs> which is a bit of a weird thing I should do a podcast just on that yeah uh, I had a great time kind of on reflection it was quite hard work actually if you've ever been to India traveling in India sitting on a train for three days it's quite hard work however the, my trip was inspired by a guy called John Clark so John um, as you're about to find out he's early 40s and after 20 years of a corporate career rock solid corporate career jacked it all in 
and went traveling and now his job <laughs> is uh, kite surfing meditation mindfulness he's managed to sort of forge a career where he for about six months a year he's out of the country traveling in a camper van and having adventures it's the kind of thing that we all want to do but we there's something stopping us isn't there something stopping you doing it that will be addressed in this podcast ladies and gentlemen if you're listening in the car it's child friendly whack it up and have a listen to my mate john clark so, dear podcast listener, what we've got today is it like genuinely interesting? Um, uh, it's a kind of travel travel episode. We haven't ever and really talked about travel yet on the podcast. So, I'd like to introduce to you the a kind of adventurer I describe him as, but uh, a guy who kind of had a really good, solid career, apprenticeship, final salary, pension, job for life, all that safety and security. Jacked it in, and uh, well, we'll talk about what he does now. He writes books and he goes adventuring. So, Mr. John Clark, how are you, sir? Good morning. I am very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good actually. And I good, guess good. we've already alluded to the fact that you're not normal, are you? You're slightly bonkers. <laughs> things. So, like, yeah, I'll we... take that. Thank you very much. Not oh, normal. that is a very, very high compliment. <laughs> Believe you, me, my friend. Um, Cat. Now, as on the podcast, I like to go back into the past first of all because. I've alluded to the fact you gave up this nice, safe, secure yes. sort of job for life thing. So what have I done? What have I done? I know, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> no. So we'll come back to what you do now, but can we go back yeah. to what you used to do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started working in a kind of a large global um, corporate engineering company uh, when I was 16. Um, I did like a technical apprenticeship and I went on to do project management work and project planning work and um Went to university part-time, studied mechanical engineering, worked as an engineer, um, and then I moved into training and development. So I did like run global training programs for apprentices and graduates and all businessy side of stuff. I did that. Let me start you right there. Let me start you right there because that's a mouthwatering thing that most people would give an arm and a leg to do. Yeah. That is the Mm -hmm. best start you can possibly have. It's a, it was a good, yeah, it's a good solid start. Yeah. Um, Absolutely no complaints with it at all, really. Um, And I, uh, I worked there for the same company for 21 years. And as, as you say, you know, final salary pension scheme, um, yeah, pretty, pretty decent salary. You know, I'll never be rich, but I'll always be comfortable. Um, good working conditions, good environment, you know, nine till five, flexible. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, a stable employer, as much as a job for life as you could probably get, I think, in this, in this kind of day and age. So, yeah. So, 21, a, 21 years in, fella, 21, 21 years in. Year, man, man and boy, I think they say, don't they? Man, man and, and boy. And then what happened? Um, I, for a few, for the last few years of the career, I was, um, I was hankering for something different. Um, it wasn't that anything was wrong as such. I can't sort of pinpoint, you know, one particular thing um it was more like a, a kind of a culmination of a few different things perhaps um some people say it's a midlife crisis I'm, I'm not sure if that if that's the case or not maybe a little bit but uh i just got to the point where i was ready for a change and i was convinced that there's benefit in in stepping way out of my comfort zone um grabbing life in a, in a new way and just and just seeing where it took me and i was always interested in sort of adventures and traveling and kite surfing and, and other sort of things that um kind of really brought me alive and I just kept, I'd had like a real, a real strong realization that perhaps it was more to life than this. Um, not that there's anything wrong, but I, I wanted to give it a go. Uh, I didn't want to look back in 20 or 30 years down the line and think, oh, if only I'd given that a chance, if only I'd given that a try. So wow. I had like a solid decision to make that, you know, if I was going to make a change and I had to sort of dig in and, and make that change myself. Um, so that's what I did. Right. Okay. Uh, can we just unpick that before we do what you do? Yeah. Then? Because that is a big deal. That is, I mean, 
look, mate, I deliver training all around the, you know, the country, all around the world, really. And I meet a lot of people who are not unhappy, but there's something missing. So, the, yeah. you know, when you've got that feeling, I um, got a feeling in the pit of your stomach at 6 a.m. when the alarm goes on a Monday morning. And it, most yeah. people don't leap out of bed for all the joys of spring in November. No. You know, they get out of bed with this. Um, it's, it's dread. minor glumness, dread, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's that kind of, oh, here we go again. Oh, oh, man. But most people, yeah. most people, mate, will tolerate that on the understanding mm-hmm. that, that, that they get a salary for that and that they... Yeah. But you, you're one of these rare people who decided to do something about that. And I, I, so what was the feeling? What was, had you got that feeling? Because you said yeah, you weren't um, unhappy. Yeah. You weren't unhappy, were you? It wasn't that, you know, I, was, I wasn't falling apart as such. No, it's, I mean, I just... I just didn't. Th- I was just. I didn't think I was living the best version of myself. Um, and that may sound a little bit abstract, but I was. I'd, I'd often go away at the weekend and have a nice weekend, sort of kite surfing and sort of living in a, in a camper van and kind of getting a bit of soul food and you know watching a sunset over a beach. And I'd come back to work and think, oh, okay, back back to work and and you know I was just doing that again and again and again. I just kept thinking, this is okay. This is fine. It works. It serves a purpose. And I, I'm not knocking what I used to do. Um, but I just felt like there was something missing and whether that's a certain sense of aliveness or a certain sense of challenge or a certain sense of soul or certain senses of perhaps a little bit more than what I'm doing, or perhaps it was, it was even um, not an appreciation of what I actually had at the time. Perhaps I needed to kind of go and experience something else to even appreciate what I used to have, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, that's uh, interesting. That's quite deep as well, mate, to be fair. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so but you're having what I, I've heard it called, uh, somebody, uh, I went on a course with a guy called Richard Wilkins. He calls it an NLE. Most people have an NLE, which is a near-life experience. So he's like, <laughs> you're almost alive, but not quite. Or you, come al- <laughs> or you come alive at the weekends and then you... you That's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I think there's too much of that going on. Um, but what what yeah. I'm genuinely interested in is the fact that you've done something about it, where I think most listeners mm. to this podcast will I'd absolutely identify with what you're saying. It's not We're not ridicule, you know, riddled with unhappiness but that sense of something missing, that sense of not being quite fully alive. Um, So what is it that, you can't pinpoint anything then, that it was a gradual sort of building Gradual decline. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't that I think I, I'd always had like a real a real um, want um, to travel um, from quite a young age, maybe sort of 21, 22, 23. Um, and perhaps because I'd been in, I got into the working world at quite, you know, 16, 17, straight out of school. Um, I, was, I was quite conditioned, to be honest. Um, and so I always wanted... Had that, you hadn't had that opportunity then earlier, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't you? No, no, I hadn't. I'd, no. I'd gone straight from school to an apprenticeship and then straight from an apprenticeship into work. And then I sort of worked part-time um, university and studied part-time. So it'd been sort of straight through um, nonstop for sort of, you know, 20 odd years plus um, school before that. Um, and I, I just kind of thought, you know, maybe, maybe I do want to travel. Maybe I want to you know, explore the world, see the world. And um, I didn't do it when I was younger. And that kind of stayed with me, I think. Uh, and... I think after, um, I think I had like a, maybe like a relationship breakdown. Um, yeah, these, these things happen. This is life. Um, I found myself in a position where I had money in the bank, not loads, but enough, enough to support myself. I had a small house, which was, you know, mortgage is manageable. Um, I just started to think, you know, maybe there's a little bit more to life. This, so maybe, I, maybe I can actually do something about it, but it's in with, you know, it's within my hands, no one else's hands and I've got to make it happen. So, um, I'd say there wasn't just one thing. There was just a, a probably accumulation of perhaps a relationship ended and I found myself single, you know, with no commitments, no children, you know, no wife as such, um, no serious girlfriend, um, a steady career behind me, perhaps um, some money in the bank. And probably most importantly is the freedom to make a choice. Um, you know, we're living in quite a crazy world. Um, and a lot of people don't have these choices to make. Um, 
I count myself very fortunate that, that I do have these choices to make. Um, not necessarily the easy choices, not necessarily the safest or most comfortable choice, mm. but I still have a choice. Um, so I wanted to make that choice and, and see where it took me. So, mate, I love it. I absolutely love it. We um, we have uh, I have a question sometimes that I ask on the art of being brilliant, I and mean, it's like an activity. It gets people to think about what what would you do if you had one week, uh, if the world was going to end in one week. Oh, geez. Today, right? <laughs> now I'm not going to ask you that, but I'll tell you what the top answer is. I'd well, nobody ever says that. Well, I'd just go to work and make sure the inbox was clear. You know what I mean? You've got one week to go. You ain't going to spend it at work. And most people sure. say, I'd, I'd go up a mountain. I'd go to my favorite beach. I'd go, I'd just do stuff. I'd do stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's that. Yeah. And, and then I think, and my thing is, well, why, why are we waiting until there's one week to go? Yeah. And I, yeah. so I love the fact you, you've decided to, to kind of go for it. Now, there, there is, um, I watched a film. I think it was called Woman in a Van or Lady in a Van or something with the old girls mm-hmm. in a van. And you are now. Man in a van, kind I'm of. Now, but, okay. I'm now <laughs> man in a van, yeah. So we've already given massive clues as to what you do now. And I know, I know you're not... Tell me about the van, because I've met, I've met the van. I've been in You've the van. You've seen the van, haven't you? Yes, yeah, because yeah. you've um, had some adventures in that van. You've oh, written about geez. adventures. So what do you do now, fella? Um, so, I, so I do have a camper van. Um, at the moment, uh, I mix my life between... Um, I run a small landscaping garden company, which is quite random compared to what I used to do. Um, I also teach kite surfing on a freelance basis whilst living in a camper van. And I also travel and sometimes live in a camper van. Um, my, my current plan um, is work the UK summer. Um, so I'm probably going to work until the end of September, and then I'm going to head into Europe in my camper van again and have a couple of couple of months touring around. I think it's going to be sort of Austria, southern Germany, northern Italy, Croatia, Slovenia, that kind of area. So I'm going to explore there for a few months. Um, wow, mate! So that's, that van's, that's, that's, that van's that's, done Africa as well. That, tell me about, that tell me about your very words. first trip because your first trip's hilarious, isn't it? In terms of the it, van wasn't even roadworthy, really. Oh my God, no! Um, I tried for cheese. I think about four years. Um, so I've got a. It's a Fiat Ducato. It's twenty years old. So it's um, you know, it's it's a bit it's a bit rough and ready. Um, some people say it's a bit like me, a bit rough and ready, but um, it's it's hanging together. But it, it's a good van. Um, so my first adventure when I when I left uh, when I left the, the corporate world was um, I drove to the south of Spain. Um, had a had a few weeks at a place called Tarifa. Um, but before I even before I even left, um, literally twenty four hours before I left, the head gasket went on the on the engine, and I had to um, I had to get <laughs> I had to get it I had to get it fixed at a local garage. And they gave me two choices: you either wait a week and spend two or three thousand pound getting a new engine block fitted, or you use something called a Prestone, like Radweld, which costs thirty pounds, and it may work. And uh, I probably shouldn't say this if I ever want to sell the van, but I put this, this thirty pound fix in, and sixty thousand miles later, it's still going. <laughs> it got you to Tunisia, didn't it, or it got, somewhere? Which is the border of Algeria. Yeah, I, I, drove, I drove down to Spain, got the ferry across to Morocco, and then I drove around Morocco for a month, and I got just onto the Algerian border, a place called Mazuga, which is like the the desert. I think they, they're called Engshebis. It's like a like a real like wilderness of um, desert, windswept desert. Really interesting, cool place. And I remember sort of standing next to a sign in Arabic uh, with there's nothing around me except camels, co- uh, complete sand and desert, and one dusty road, a few kind of breeze block houses, and a couple of signs in Arabic. And I took a picture of myself, my camper van, and a bottle of this Prestone Radweld fix. Uh, I think I was something like 4,500 miles from home. And I'm thinking, I don't think I've got RAC brake cover, a brake down cover here. But let's go somewhere like get towed by a camel. I don't, I don't know how it'd kind of work out. Well, but, you, were, um, you alluded earlier to pushing the comfort zone. So the very first trip was way out of the comfort zone. Wasn't it, it was, it was, yeah. I managed, um, I did four months in a camper van. I, I drove, always on my own, um, drove to Spain, drove to Morocco, around Morocco, back up. Uh, I mean, Morocco is a, 
incredible adventure, good, good and bad. And then drove up through Portugal, had a few months in Portugal and uh, came back to the UK. I don't, I don't want to say I came back like a different man, but I came back. I'd, I'd, things had shifted for me. I, I was, I was, I was, I was definitely alive. If that makes, uh, if that makes sense. That well, was, it makes I was, perfect sense to me, fella. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, aliveness is uh, I, you know, I, I kind of talk about what, you know, some of the workshops we do. And I vividly remember this guy on a course a few years ago, elderly guy sat there, and, well, you know, I, I hate my job. I absolutely, how long have you been here? 29 years. I'm going, well, <laughs> go do, something. <laughs> do something about oh, it, please. Oh um, for the sake of your own sanity and for the sake of your family and your friends yeah. and, and your life, is you have to make changes. But it's make quite brave. It is braver. I, I think. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people think that it's a really brave thing you've done. And I, I do think it is a really courageous thing to, to make a massive change you. in your life. But I think, you know, it's that it's that courage thing, really. It's a really, very brave thing. So now you will come back to your travels in a minute. But I know you've written a book about your travels. I know it. Because, yeah. Because I've read yeah. it. And I, I um, so tell me about the book. Tell me about the book. Yeah. Um, so I after about a year and a half of traveling, um, I decided to sort of put, put my focus and energies into something um, Something I don't know, not, not meaningful, not that the travel wasn't meaningful, it, it was, but I wanted to sort of on like a, like a personal project. And I, I'd started to write whilst I was traveling, created a blog, and people were quite happy, you know, quite, quite complimentary. So I said, Oh, I'll have, I'll have a go at writing a book. And I know you've written many books, Andy, and I don't know if you've experienced this yourself, but I was, I was like, Yeah, write a book, take two, three months max, no problems at all. Yeah, get this done. And yeah, a year and a half later, I was still, <laughs> still going, like, Oh my word, what have I taken on here? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really glad I stuck with it. It was um, uh, it, writing the book about the adventures and the changes and and kind of reflecting on on like you know what I learned and what I experienced and perhaps why why I why I felt that way and the good and the bad and you know trying to pull out these things that perhaps not only to reflect myself but perhaps I can share with other people so they may they may kind of you know read it and think oh that's why that works or that's what he felt and that's why that happened that way and those kind of things um, yeah well i like it's, it mate. it's called adventures in happiness and that's it's, right um it's a sort of part travel travel log about where you've yeah. been but also part I, I, the bits i really like are the reflection on why yeah. you made the decisions you made and and actually yeah. there's some of the stuff about is um be on your own is uh, is there not a loneliness because you're quite a solo yeah. traveler aren't you yeah, I, I am a solo traveller. Yeah, I, I, all this travel is, is done on my own. And um, to be honest, I, until I started this kind of journey, you know, four years ago, I'd never travelled on my own. I'd always had, I'd, I'd always had like serious girlfriends or mates to travel with. Um, so I was absolutely terrified when I first went on my own. And you know, I can't deny it. It's, it, it can be a lonely experience. Um, but uh, the flip side of that is, you do leave yourself open for a whole new suite of things to happen. People to meet, good and bad. Um, adventures to happen and the spontaneity you can have from being solo is is incredible uh and i found that you know that that can really lead places don't get me wrong um i'd love to have a you know some some hot girlfriend to uh to share the camper van life with you know every now and again and you know, who knows who knows what's going to happen but um but i guess the solo the yeah. solo travel does force you to uh to talk to people and to do yes. more things, doesn't it? And That's to, right. To yeah. look for c- to company and companionship. Yeah. Yeah. It, it forces you to. I mean, it's a bit cheesy, but it does force you to get out of your comfort zone because you literally your your hand is forced. You either stay on your own and, and you know sit there a bit miserable on your own, or you, or you get out and meet mm-hmm. people, and you become adaptable to different um, situations. Much, yeah, much better. It's a real, it's a real good way to sort of challenge yourself. I think in in that kind of respect. Um, yeah, and it, it's traveling on my own for quite a long time. It's probably one of the one of the most. Um, not life changing. That's probably a bit too deep, but uh, confidence building and self esteem yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. 
adaptability uh, experiences that, that I've kind of had the last few years. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Amazing, mate. I, yeah. I um, uh, we many many years ago, about thirty years ago, when Louise and I got married, we went around the world. For, we did the backpacking mm-hmm. thing, eight months. Wow. Around yeah. The world. And I remember coming back. So eight months, been away, eight months. Those are days before the internet had been invented, you know, and you didn't know where <laughs> you were going. You, we just had this big, uh, big. Um, uh, what's the big book called of Southeast Asia? The Lonely Planet book. Lonely that we planet, yeah. Like that. Eight months, came back after eight months, right? And I always go out on Thursday night with my mates from school. So still now, even though I'm mm. old, I still go out on the Thursday night. Came back after eight months. The lads are sitting in the same pub, drinking more or less the same pint, <laughs> in exactly the same seat. Nothing yeah. had changed. changed. They, and they weren't even interested. I don't know about your mates. My, my, the lads are like, all right, Cooper, you're back. Well, you know, uh, not, you, not you waiting. Been away. Been, uh, yeah, you've been, <laughs> I've been away for eight months. I've been around the world. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, yeah, do you want a pint of pedigree? Oh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> and we just slip straight back into it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know if you've found that as well. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a mix. I had, I had some really good mates who were really supportive. Um, actually, they were you know always encouraging, like, yeah, if you want to make a change, go for it and go and travel and you know, explore the world. Um, and you know that yeah, I can't those really good mates, and you know they were always quite supportive. But like you say, I always had some friends who were like, oh, you're back, yeah. What are you going to do next? Are you going to you know get a job and settle back into Derby? And it's it, nothing to change for them. Um, and it, it's quite it's quite weird. You almost step out of one world and into another and then step back into the original world again it's yeah it's quite quite surreal actually um, I, I went to um, <laughs> one, of, one of my uh, personal development heroes a guy called jack black so not jack black the actor he's a he's a, he's a wee scotsman and he's uh, he, he wrote loads of books back in the day and i got a chance i got a ticket to go and see jack black in london so he's he's, he's a small he's the smallest bloke there's about 300 of his of his devotees with the disciples if you like and he so he comes out onto, and i at that time i wasn't i was working in a university i'd never experienced this sort of personal development that jack black does mm-hmm. i'd read his book so he came out he sidles onto stage with, in front of 300 people there's a polite round of applause and he starts with this thing he says um and it was about September time. So he says, and in a very quiet voice, he said, uh, I've got some news for you. He says, in October, on October the 1st, he said, the world's going to change. I said, and we were all like, why, Jack? What do you, what do you know, Jack? Because he's a guru. And Jack says, because on October the 1st, he says, uh, sorry, on September the 1st, he said, it, it, it'll be be Christmas. So he says, what you'll find is all the decorations going up in the, you know, in the uh, Tesco's will have an aisle full of quality street around September, October time. And then, and then he, his voice goes down again. He says, and on Boxing Day, he says, the world's going to change again. And we're going, why, Jack? What do you know? He says, because on Boxing Day, he said, uh, sofas. He says, you don't really need a sofa, but you'll be conned into thinking you need a sofa because every advert on the TV will be, you know, come and get your sofa because it's interest-free credit. You don't have to pay for it for four years. You'd be a mug not. So you get queuing at DFS for a sofa. on bo- And he's like, wow, Jack, you're right. And then he goes all quiet again. He says, and then <laughs> he says, Easter, the world will change again. He says, holidays. You'll need a package holiday. You'll need to go to Spain. He says, before they all run out. And, he, and then his punchline was, and what we do is we go, Christmas, sofas, holidays, Christmas, sofas, holidays, Christmas, sofas, holidays, Christmas, sofas, holidays, dead. <laughs> like, oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh dear. How, oh. how close to that is the truth? Mm-hmm. You know? It's you, absolutely spot on, isn't years, it? Yeah. Your years start to become a bit samey. Yes. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's called habituation. So the science of habituation basically means that even the most amazing things, even the most amazing things you do, if you do them for a lot of time, they start to become a bit repetitive. Yeah. So even for you, mate, even for you, travel... Mm-hmm. can start to become a little bit mundane, I, I, a bit. Yeah, it can. It can. It's, that's a really, that's a really good point, actually. I mean, like com- comfort kills, I suppose, doesn't it? Whatever the comfort that is that you, you're doing, yeah. And and I did actually find that when I was in um, Sri Lanka, 
um, sort of 18 months traveling. I actually was traveling around and I found myself a little bit lethargic with it. And I was, I'm thinking, this is a bit weird. I'm living the dream Just here. Another and temple, another yeah, oh, oh. great, another, another windswept, but you know, <laughs> and more <laughs> palm trees. Oh, God's dear. sake, I'm sick to That's death. Of palm <laughs> Coconut. Oh, I will. <laughs> You see how ridiculous it is, but it does get it, you like that, it doesn't does, it? It does, yeah. It's, it probably sounds a little bit ungrateful and, and spoiled, but it, it, it's not meant to be. It's just, it's just literally, like you say, habituation. It does, it catches you up. And well, what I think that's probably where that was the kind of decision that I wanted to write a book. Actually, I wanted something very different to sort of focus and throw my, throw my energy into. But what's really kind of interesting, just on on that same point, is um, when I published my book last year, about this time last year. Um, I found myself actually looking, really looking forward to work, some kind of work. Um, so I finished a book and I was, I was still like, yeah, I think I'm going to do some more traveling. But um, I actually also was um, eager to work and earn money. Um, I, you know, that's I didn't have to. interesting, isn't it? No, that yeah, is interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, was, I was quite shocked to find myself. It's probably like this time last year. I was quite shocked to find myself in that position. I was actually, because uh, I think I did um, like a radio show with um, you know, Sally Pepper on, on uh, Radio yeah. Derby. And she was saying, oh, what are you going to do now? You've published your book. You're going to have to get a job. And I'm thinking, and I was listening back to the, the, um, the recording a few days ago. And I, I actually said, I'm actually looking forward to going to work. And she was like, what? And I was like, no, no, I really am looking forward to going to work. And it's, it's almost like I traveled for a bit and had that you know, great experience and very grateful and written a book and kind of experienced everything which came with that. And now I was ready for some, not normality, because it's just a different thing, but I was actually ready to sort of, you know, apply myself in a different way and earn some money. And okay, it's going to be money for a next adventure or, or you know, yeah. whatever's down the line. But yeah, I was, I was found myself very ready for it. And, um, and if I look back now, I worked for sort of six months um, and did a bit of travel at the end of the year. It was a really good six months, different to traveling, obviously, yeah. um, but it was it was equally as rewarding, just in a very different way. So well, maybe, maybe I don't know, just thinking off the top of it, but maybe it's a rewarding six months because you knew it was only going to be six months. If you were doing that for the yeah. next 30 years, it might it might. I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think um, if I dropped myself back into my old job and, you know, the old office environment and sat behind a laptop for, you know, 45 hours a week again, I think I probably would have been very differently, yeah. So perhaps yeah. it was a type of work and the, um, the knowledge, as you say, that it was going to change. And perhaps that's what, to get a little bit deep for a second, perhaps that's what humans really do need is a continual change. Perhaps we're not meant to be uh, in a career for 20 or 30 years, even that does come with stability and all those good things. Perhaps we are a bit more nomadic as a, you know, as, as people, and we do need those those shifts every six months, two years, whatever, you know, whatever it is, to keep us alive. I don't know. I, th- I certainly think we need to move. Yeah, we need movement, yeah. don't we? And we need yeah. Um, yeah. we are built, we are designed to be nomadic. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so about movement, actually, can I just zip into something else? Because you do kite surfing, and I know that you do yes. yoga and meditation as well. So That's right. I'm particularly yeah. Yeah. interested in the yoga and meditation. I'm um, okay. I'm going to be doing some of that in India. So, what good, have you good, learned good. on that? And what's what, what can you Ooh. share? That's um, yoga, yoga. Oh, uh, oh so much. Um, I. I see yoga, yoga as like a as a as a tool for life. Um, without getting too deep on it, it's it's uh, it's a physical practice, but it's also a mental practice. Um, uh, it, I've 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 discovered yoga about 2013, 2014, and I've kind of tried to keep a regular practice going since then. And it's 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 helped me in, in no end in in so many ways. Um, I yeah, I, I think it's a, it's best described as a shield against life. Um, it's something which if you practice yeah, if you practice a few hours a week or maybe yeah, half an hour a day, it can give you the mental breathing space in order to make better, clearer, stronger decisions. Um, you know, not only it makes you physically stronger and more flexible, but um, you know, mentally 
focus. How does it, tell me about the mental side of it, mate. Because I'm, I, I don't, I've never done yoga. I'm not a flexible person. I, I hope mm-hmm. I'll come back from India being more flexible. But yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> so how does it help you men- mentally? Tell me about the mental side of it. It's, um, I guess, it's not, it's not just about sort of physical flexibility. I think it's, um, you know, the, the kind of if you if you combine like the steady breathing with a steady kind of movement of the body, it's it's very meditative, um, and it it kind of helps it helps either i'm not saying it stops the mind chatter <clears throat> but it helps you become less attached to the mind chatter so you become a bit more of a of a, a bit of a witness to the thoughts so to speak so <clears throat> excuse me so you know we're all got the, the constant mind chatter going on but um i found a practice for yoga you, you know you practice for an hour you sit back and you you know you relax afterwards and you've still got all these thoughts running through your mind but you've almost got like a slight detachment from them like an awareness that or maybe they're, they're just thoughts running through my mind. I don't have to believe every single one of them. I don't have to attach every single one of them. I don't have to run with every single one of them. I can just let them run. And you know, behind those thoughts is the real you, basically, um, without getting too kind of deep into it at all. It's, you know, it's, um, and that's, I found that quite, quite, a, quite a useful tool to have. You know, if, you, if you're busy at work or you're busy in socially or you know, whatever's going on, you can sometimes get a little bit wrapped up in all those thoughts. So a nice, uh, a nice hour, hour of yoga, physically, restoring and mentally uh, restoring and relaxing as well. So it takes you out of your mind and back into yourself, back into your body. My, one of my teachers from Cape Town, lovely lady called Yvonne, always says, get out of your mind and back into your body. And it's it's so true. It's, yeah, you, you kind of transferring all that mental thinking into the physical movements and that it just does some quite wondrous kind of things. So uh, I can't recommend it enough, actually. It's, okay, uh, okay, I like yeah. it. You see, I'm really yeah. inter- interested in the who's the real you thing. You know, the I don't think the yeah. you is the you that you look in the mirror and you see the you oh, in there. Okay. The you's the one noticing, isn't it? That's you, right, yeah. yeah. It, it's the, yeah, the one who is observing, I guess. That's, yeah. that's the way I'm saying it, yeah. Yeah, that's so right. That blows yeah. my mind, mate. Who's the one observing mm. the, the fact that you're looking mm-hmm. at you? <laughs> oh my god! Not, not really you. That's not you, but it is you. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, well, the yeah. you's the one inside your head. That's the whole point, isn't it? The you's the one. You use the one doing the thinking. The you that oh my gosh! I've tried to write about it. I, I write about it better than I can talk about it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Just a couple of other things then. Really, I think um, I, I once again, if we go back to my experience on, I did a. I once again, vividly remember a guy stayed behind after a course once and decided to schedule being his best self into his diary. You know, <laughs> so he told me I was. It's in February time. He said I'm going to start to be to remember best self around christmas time i'm like well because uh, he's a bit he was too busy to be happy because he's managing a big project at work well, i can't be happy now he says but i'll finish his end so so he got this thing he's, he actually scheduled it into his diary in front of me and i think mm. it's in terms of missing the point about being your best self on a consistent basis <laughs> learning to do it on, yeah. even on a monday <laughs> as well as a friday I mean, the same in february as you would in august and it's that stepping into the best version of you yeah. Is, is seems to be what you've done. I used to describe it as, um, if you imagine that everybody's got a dial in the middle of their chest, like a thermostat, mm-hmm. yeah. and you can turn the dial up to sort of maximum, you know, glow on the outside, mm-hmm. ready, mm-hmm. ready, glow, or you can turn your dial down to sort of half dead. And I think, <laughs> and I think that, that you've learned to turn your dial, you've turned your dial, and you're one of these yeah. two, two percent. I call them two percenters, um, you know, in the PhD, these people... A handful of people you can think of in your life who have turned the dial. They, they've switched themselves on to full wattage and they've decided to be a bit different. Because I think fitting, I tell teenagers in, in school, to, uh, you know, it's fitting in, I understand the need to fit in as a human being. Yeah. 
have an yeah. innate desire to be part of a team, a crowd, a group, a mm -hmm. tribe, a gang, whatever you want to call it. You want to be part of something. So fitting in is, a, is an okay short-term strategy. But, but long-term, I think standing out is a better place to position. I really do believe that. Standing out is where the magic source is. And you sort of managed to do that. Um, so, the elephant in the room, the, elephant, the, the thing that all the listeners to this podcast will be thinking, okay, he's, he's traveling around the world and he's writing his books and stuff. But money, mm -hmm. security, lack of savings, how the hell do you, because you, I don't know how you, I know, <laughs> I know you're working as a landscape gardener to create some money to move to the next thing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you get to a certain age, mate, which you probably yeah. are. Yeah. Where you should, have a bank account with, you should have a bank yes, account yeah. with some money in it. <laughs> and you haven't, have um, you? <laughs> no, well, no, not, not really, no. Um, so how do you deal? How do you deal? Oh, dear. I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. Well, your mum and dad uh, must be worried about it as well, to be but, fair. I'm only asking what yeah, your dad would ask you. Um, <clears throat> he, oh, dear. Right, what can I say? Um, I, so I have a small house which I rent out. Uh, it's a small house. So that I've, got, I've got my kind of mortgage being paid for by a tenant there, which, which is great, which is kind of a... That's kind of like a, a kind of small pension pot for the future. So that's kind of in, in not in the bag, but that, that's you know, that's something I work for and that's something I've kept. Um, I I live quite a frugal life. I live quite a minimal life. Um, I don't spend money on new cars. I mean, my camperman's twenty years old. Um, I repair my kite serving kites myself. I, I don't go crazy out. I don't go on crazy nights out drinking anymore. I just um, so I live I live quite cheap, and you can you can live quite cheap if you kind of cut back on things. Um, I don't have any dependents, which is obviously a huge one. Um, if I to 2.4 children I, I probably wouldn't be able to do this the way i'm doing it um but i and i, I basically I earn my money i run a small landscaping business which is actually going really really well um i mix that in with teaching kite surfing um, i do freelance writing work uh and i and i sort of I'm, my kind of game plan at the moment is to do that for the for the summer sort of you know from march until sort of september october and then travel for the winter um i'm very lucky in terms of where i live i live back at my parents house age 41 which is probably not the most ideal situation, but it does actually work. Um, uh, so when I tell people that, they go, you live with your parents? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how's that? And I'm like, it's actually not as bad as it probably, as I thought it might be. It's, I mean, I don't know. It's Perhaps if I was living here, if I was 30, perhaps that would be a different game. But, um, you know, my parents are in their 70s. They're doing their thing. I'm helping those. I help them out with the garden and you know, do a few bits around the house. And, they they just they just see me kind of exploring new avenues and they see me living a bit of life and yeah. um and I think because because I'm lucky enough to have that as a, as an option for a place to live it does it does enable this this I don't want to say a dream life because I'm <clears throat> you know it's 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 just a different kind of path it does enable it to happen um, a little bit smoother <clears throat> yeah no, I like so, it Matt because I think no, it, well it does seem to be a dream life looking out outside looking in <laughs> but I mean I know it comes with um big decisions and stuff but i think there'll be a lot yes. of people listening to this going oh i wish i could do that <laughs> and your message is well you can you actually <laughs> you have to make sacrifices yeah it, yeah, it's, yeah you yeah. could you could live yes. quite cheaply you could rent your house out and you can mm -hmm. go around the world oh my gosh all right yeah Whew. okay it's so, always a way it's always a way there is the world yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 and um I, I've got this fear, right, of, of not of necessarily a fear of getting old. I, I don't mind getting old. I don't want to be old and poor, but I particularly don't want to be an old person with no stories to tell. I want mm. to have some stories. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it's that. So you've got to do some stuff, haven't you? So like, last question, mate. Last question. It's the question that we always, always ask. And yours might be an interesting one. It's like, what makes you happy? Because you seem to have tried Ooh. to make a momentous decision a few years ago in 
which yeah. was a happiness decision ultimately. It, it ultimately was. It was a. It was definitely a decision to live a live a better version of myself. I think is is how I kind of try and describe it. Um, so but yeah, what now? Ma- happiness Ooh. now. What would ma- what makes you happy? Oh, um, I'm going to go a little bit deep. Um, I think I'd say the realization that life will open up as it needs to when you throw yourself into the things that you truly believe in. So that makes oh me quite happy. Oh my gosh, mate, that is deep. I love How's it. How's that? I love How's it. How's that? Is that okay? <laughs> so, so, yeah. so basically, throwing yourself wholeheartedly into life and mm-hmm. not knowing what that's going to be. Not knowing. Mm-hmm. Life will always open up more or less as it needs to along the way. It may not be as you expected or as you really wanted or as you assumed it would happen, but it will open up if you throw yourself wholeheartedly into what you do. Now, what, whatever that is, I'm pretty convinced that's how it kind of works. So, you know, the old adage about closing one door and another one opens. Um, it's very true. It really, I've seen it happen time and time again with, with, you know, opportunities, jobs, travel experiences, relationships, um, just, you know, business ideas, you know, lots of things. Um, and I, and I think it's, I think it's, maybe that's a bit of a rule of life. I think if you really do, if you really do throw yourself into something, it will work out perhaps not as you expected, but it will work out one way or another. Yeah. Um, that, that, that realization makes me quite happy. Yeah. Good lad. That's yeah. very deep. There's a bit, a whole load of dollop of Buddhism in there as well, mate. About yeah. Acceptance. <laughs> yeah. I like it. We have a part that, two yes. of this podcast where we go proper deep. All <laughs> right, mate, we'll, we'll sign off there. I mean, we, I, I've learned loads about, I've learned loads about courage and about making decisions and about grabbing life by, by both hands. And, uh, mm and squeezing it for everything it's got yeah absolutely brilliant so john clark that's author traveler adventurer living life to the max kind of person and a very brave man so uh, thanks for well thanks for being on the podcast mate and uh, best of luck on your next adventure thank you very much thank you And that, dear listener, is that. I hope you found it as interesting and as useful and as stimulating as I did. Congratulations, by the way, on making such a great choice of listening material. Please subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I wish you well. You've been listening to the Art of Brilliance podcast. Listen to and subscribe to all our podcasts at www.artofbrilliance.co.uk slash podcast.